Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Cher Martinetti, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirl's Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. True gender equality in Hollywood remains a constant struggle, not just for women on screen, but behind the scenes in some of the most important fields in the industry. Directing, writing, cinematography, the list goes on. Study after study examining gender representation in front of and behind the camera have produced somewhat dismal statistics. And it may be tempting to think that we haven't made any real progress. Until we look back at some of the women who've paved the way for many more to follow and blaze their own unique trails. One of those was the off-sighted godmother of indie filmmaking, producer and screenwriter Deborah Hill. As Jamie Lee Curtis said in 2018, Halloween wouldn't be Halloween without Deborah Hill. 1978's Halloween was groundbreaking in more than one sense. It spawned its own franchise, launched an entirely new subgenre of horror, and made a household name of actress Jamie Lee Curtis, who made her big screen debut as faded babysitter and veritable final girl Laurie Strode. But Halloween was more than the little slasher movie that could even if it grossed more than $70 million worldwide against its original $300,000 budget. It also represented significant professional success for its producer, Deborah Hill, who co-wrote the script with director John Carpenter and would go on to become one of the biggest female producers in Hollywood throughout the 80s and 90s. I, my background is a love of um, features like um, The Thing and uh, uh, Tarantula and all those horror films of the 50s. And uh, from watching them as a child and growing up with them and reading a lot of Edgar Allan Poe and uh, those kinds of films, those kinds of uh, books, I've learned to love horror and instinctually I know when something is going to be scary. Deborah Hill was born on November 10th, 1950 in Haddonfield, New Jersey, and grew up in Philadelphia before moving to Hollywood to begin her career in the film industry. She got her start as a production assistant, mostly on documentaries but she would eventually go on to hold down several different jobs, including script supervisor, assistant director, and second unit director. In an interview with the LA Times in 1982, Hill shared that she worked on a total of 13 films within the course of her early career before ever meeting John Carpenter. Their relationship began in 1975, 
on the set of the indie action thriller Assault in Precinct 13, where Hill served as a script supervisor and in an uncredited role as the film's assistant editor. The two moved in together and three years later would co-write the script for the original Halloween. Hill's frequent collaborations with Carpenter would inform much of her initial successes, and the two were credited together on several of Carpenter's directorial efforts, including Halloween 2 and 3, The Fog, Escape from New York, and Escape from L.A. What's wrong, Annie? Not smiling. I'm never smiling again. Paul dragged me into the boys' locker room. Exploring uncharted territory. Totally charted. Just talk. (laughs) Sure, sure. Old Jerko got caught throwing eggs and soaking windows. His parents grounded him. The Hill would serve as producer on many of Carpenter's later films. Her contributions to Halloween are representative of the vital role she played in shaping horror's most iconic female characters. The quiet fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois, where most of the story is set, was named for Hill's birthplace, and she drew significantly from her own experiences as a teenage babysitter in order to script the dialogue for Laurie Strode and her two best friends, Linda and Annie, both of whom eventually meet a deadly fate at the hands of masked killer Michael Myers. Hill was also hands-on in helping to create the overall clean-cut and conservative look of Lori's wardrobe, consisting of classic jeans and a button-down shirt, among other pieces that Curtis once recalled them purchasing at J.C. Penney for probably like a hundred bucks. At a press junket for 2018's Halloween, which directly follows the events of the 1978 original, Curtis specifically cited Hill's influence on the franchise as a whole in crafting a trio of teenage girls for the audience to care about. The voice of those girls is all Deborah Hill, Curtis said. I think she was all three of those young women, and she therefore is responsible. Of course, Hill's impact wasn't and shouldn't be defined just by her collaborations with Carpenter. And we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that her long and storied career as a film producer was all too indicative of the uphill battle women in the industry often face. On the DVD feature-length commentary for Escape from New York, Hill recounted being referred to as quote-unquote sweetheart and darling when she first began her career as a producer and how it took a long time for her to be addressed more respectfully in a professional setting. Back when I started in 1974, there were very few women in the industry and everybody called me honey, Hill once said. I was assumed to be the makeup and hair person or the script person. I was never assumed to be the writer or producer. I took a look around and realized there weren't many women, so I had to carve a niche for myself. At Hill's memorial service in 2005, president of Deborah Hill Productions' Barry Evans shared the following anecdote. It took place during a meeting she and Hill held with a special effects team while planning out a potential film adaptation of the television show Sea Hunt. After the effects team laid out their very complicated idea for bringing the scuba diving realm of the series to life, Hill presented her own concept, which was arguably a lot simpler in construction and design. Said Evans, Their mouths dropped and there was utter silence. And after a moment, they said, we think that would work. I honestly don't think they'd ever been in a meeting with a producer who turned around and said to them, no, I don't think so. I have a different idea and I've thought it out. Though she was often underestimated, overlooked, and sometimes belittled as a woman in a male-dominated environment, Hill seemingly never let negative treatment diminish her passion for the industry she fought so hard to be a part of continued to offer support to other women who wanted to establish their own careers. Many of the most recognizable women in producing today, including Stacey Scher and Gail Ann Hurd, 
credit Hill as an influence on their own vocations, not only with how she approached her job on a working level, but the positive environment she created in the sets she produced. In a eulogy given at Hill's memorial service, Gail Ann Hurd said, Deborah was so important as a positive role model because she could be tough, but she was always kind and caring. Very rarely did she let the slings and arrows that we face every day in this business get to her. Many of the rest of us had to become tougher and tougher to give as good as the guys. And she never did that. She was able to really maintain that level of grace that the rest of us just aspired to. So the babysitter goes upstairs and the sound keeps getting louder. Scrape, scrape, scrape. The babysitter stops at the kid's room. She reaches for the doorknob. Her hand is trembling. Her heart is beating fast. Sweat pours down her face. She opens the door. (gasps) After separating from Carpenter, Hill struck out on her own to produce her own projects. Films like The Dead Zone and 1985's Clue. Which, side note, is like one of the best movies ever. But I digress. In 1986, she created Hill Obst Productions with her new producing partner, Linda Obst. Together, via their production company, the two women would take on several critically and commercially successful films, including Adventures in Babysitting and The Fisher King. Undoubtedly, Hill's detail-driven and hands-on philosophy extended to every film set she was a part of, as Opes revealed when sharing her memories of her longtime friend and colleague. Adventures in Babysitting was everyone's first movie but Deborah's, and she generously taught us all. A key thing among a thousand things she taught me is that a set is where a producer belongs, not on the phone or at the studio, but with the director, with the crew, making the movie that you'd nurtured. The early years Hill spent working her way up the ranks made her even more of a legend to succeeding generations of women working in the film industry. When you consider the sheer amount of total bullshit she had to slog through just to emerge anywhere close to respected, the success she achieved in her lifetime is made all the more impressive. Obst once offered a look into the working environment the two faced back in the 1980s. There was no women in film. There were very few women in film, in fact, and no women producers. There was no women's networking. There were executives, and at that time, if one was fired, one would be drafted to take her place. In fact, according to Obst, it was Dawn Steele, one of the few female studio heads at the time, who suggested the idea of Hill and Obst teaming up on their own production company to begin with. But Hill's desire to hold open the door to those women who came after her was an equally defining component of her career, as Heard also shared. She looked at all women, regardless of where you were on the ladder, as equals. It was less of a mentor-mentee relationship than a, we are all sisters, and we are all equal, and we should share our knowledge, share power. Anyway, as I mentioned, there weren't many opportunities for women filmmakers in the industry at the time, and very few had the opportunity to produce or direct their own movies. Luckily, I'd had positive reinforcement, not only from Roger and Barbara, but from a true trailblazer, my friend, the late Deborah Hill, who produced the Halloween films, Assault on Precinct 13, The Fisher King, Adventures in Babysitting, and and, uh, Escape from New York, where she very wisely hired Jim Cameron to supervise the visual effects, among many, many others. She encouraged me. She offered me her help and advice, literally to her dying day. The industry needs more Deborah Hills. Hill was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2004, 
but continued to work right up until her death on March 7th, 2005, at the age of 54. Her last project was Oliver Stone's 2006 film, World Trade Center. In a statement to the Associated Press after her passing, Carpenter referred to Hill as a pioneer in this business, adding that, quote, she had experienced the ins and outs and had a thorough understanding of what it took to make a picture. She had a passion for not just movies about women or women's ideas, but films for everybody, horror films, action films, comedies. The Producers Guild of America established the Deborah Hill Fellowship that same year, awarded annually to a man or woman whose work, interests, professionalism, and passion mirror that of Deborah Hill. Two years prior to her death, Hill was honored by the Women in Film organization in 2003 with the Crystal Award, which recognizes those women who have made strides in furthering the position of women, not just in film, but in entertainment as a whole. In her acceptance speech, Hill said, I hope someday there won't be a need for women in film, that it'll be people in film, that it'll be equal pay, equal rights, and equal job opportunities for everybody. Even in death, the ripple effects of Hill's influence can be felt among the women of today, fighting to follow in her footsteps. Progress has been made, perhaps not significant, but it's still continuing, still growing, still changing. More than ever before, women are making a name for themselves in producing. And that can be attributed in large part due to those pioneers who are willing and able to further the careers of other women to mentor aspiring professionals and to change the face of Hollywood one film set at a time. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Carly Lane and narrated and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.